Yo, this is the Coach and Cold Podcast. We in the South, we in the West, we in the North. It's an international conversation. It's logical and convincing. And the standards and rules only apply to those that get down in today's society. If you with it, let's get it. Welcome back to the Coach and Cold Podcast. It's been a minute, so we're very happy to be back. Join you guys on the airwaves. Here we go. So today's topic is... Uh, it's a matter of grief. And we're going to talk about grief today. Uh, on this episode, we're discussing grief and how grief and loss uh, was a prevalent theme this last year, especially um, where it was around TV, on social media, in your no- news feeds. Um, we all know we've lost over 500,000 uh, people uh, through COVID-19, loved ones, people we don't know, but we did see the loss uh, heavily um, in our lifetime, though, we've all experienced loss. We can lose people we love through death, divorce, broken relationships. We also experience others' loss of other things like freedom, jobs, and material items. All of these things can be very painful, and we need ways to process and cope through it. We want to discuss the five stages of grief. What are the types of grief that can be crippling and some of the ways uh, that we found to cope with it. Some of the most profound experiences come from our losses, not only our wins in life and, you know, it's important. So let's get into it. Um, so, you know, it's funny cause we always prepare show, show notes. So I'm going to just say this and sometimes I prepare them and poor Akil has to read, um, whatever English that I've put up on there. And so if you hear him stumble sometimes, it's probably because I've prepared the deck that week. He's way more eloquent when he prepares the deck. So um, let's get into the Urban Dictionary's definition of grief. Um, So grief is a profound mental anguish that one feels when one loses a loved one, often accompanied with feelings of sorrow, regret, anger, guilt, and a feeling of very, being very lonely. Um, the other way uh, uh, grief is talked about is an annoyance of frustration or difficulty. So grief at the absence of a loved one uh, is happiness compared to a life with a person that somebody hates. So sometimes it's described like that. And then um, the final one is uh, in his state of grief over losing his love life, Hank turned to liquor to ease his sorrow. So that has mm-hmm. to do more with uh, grief uh, of, of a heartbreak, right, type of grief. But right. what's interesting is in the Black community, we also describe somebody who's getting on our nerves as giving us grief. Right. <laughs> and it doesn't necessarily mean that it's really, you know what I mean, like grieving in the other ways. But we will say that sometimes. be like, man, you, you know, you're giving me some grief because you won't do this or that. Mm-hmm. So we're not talking about that today. Right. But as you said, uh, Akil, I think uh, there was a lot of things going on this year. You know, we had uh, people grieving from actually losing some people from COVID. We had uh, anxiety and fear that was yes. also coupled on top of the the loss, um, fear of, you know, dying yourself, right? And mm-hmm. grieving your freedom having to social distance and not being able to touch other people. We grieved that in ways. Um, We grieved not being able to see our family members. Um, 
right? And uh, we grieved missing holidays, right? A lot of us mm-hmm. didn't get to celebrate the holidays with our, our loved ones. And then also, I think what's really interesting about the way we had to grieve this go around was that a lot of the times when we did lose people in the pandemic, we couldn't even grieve them by going to funerals. We had to do it via Zoom or whatever. And so that was a different experience for people because I think that, you know, in order for us to process uh, grief, sometimes we have to see the person go in the ground or we have to go to the memorial and say our final goodbyes to them. And when you're doing it through a Zoom scenario, um, I, I think it's very different. And I'm not sure that it follows all the way through with what that loss would be. Oh, so what yeah. do you think about it? No, I, I you know, I, I, grief was heavy. I mean, I think that this is an excellent, excellent subject uh, for us to be speaking about. Um, you know, if we talk about all of 2020, um, you know, we had students grieving because they didn't get to finish school. You know, we had um, you know, my daughter is 17 and, and, you know, and, and had some grief around the fact that she pretty much lost her junior year in high school, which for us that, you know, are young enough to remember, you know, that junior, senior year, those you know, those bomb. two years were the bomb, right? Those were when yeah. we had a little bit of freedom, a little identity. We might have, had, you, you know, driver's license. Top. No, but you're like at the top of the food. Yeah, yeah, you're yeah. Not at the so there was there was definitely some you know some some grief, and that's obviously light, way lighter weight grief um, than some of the things we're talking about. But you know, on top of that, we went through you know we went through as as you know, and I'm glad you brought up you know us as black people. We went through you know grief of mm-hmm. watching you know on TV. Um, George Floyd get killed, Breonna Taylor get killed, Sandra Bland get killed. I mean, we we went through, you know, daily reminders of, you know, uh, of a reality that caused grief, you know, and I yeah. think even and these were, you know, people we didn't know, just like some of those 500,000 people that d- died from COVID that we didn't know. Mm-hmm. And so I think, um, you know, I'm really glad you brought this subject to the table because, uh, you know, I mean, there was, you know, it, it wasn't just our family members that um, we saw uh, affected. We just saw our people. We saw people we didn't know. Um, you know, more recently, we saw, you know, the whole Asian hate, you know, uh, crimes happening. I mean, there's so many things that, that you know, can kind of garner the, you know, different levels of grief um, that, you know, I think we've experienced over the last couple of years and, and will continue to experience. So, uh, I'm I'm really glad that, like I said, glad you brought this up because I think that this is important, not only to talk about the realities of it, but also, um, as I know you have laid out here, uh, you know, to help some people with potentially being able to deal with uh, some of the grief that they're feeling. Yeah, you know, one of the things that um, really stuck out to me this last year and even recently is that when somebody like a celebrity or someone we recognized also died, whether it was from COVID or not, it really seemed like it had more gravity to me. Yeah. Every time, like, I was like, oh, man, he died? Yeah. Oh, man. You know what I mean? Every loss, especially as we're going to age ourselves, from our generation, right? Sure. Where we had recognized them as, um, you know, DMX, yes. whoever it was, right? Yeah. It was so, to me, like, poignant in my mind and I wanted to research or find out, like, how did they die? 
Was it COVID? I don't know. And I don't know if it was just because I was caught up in the COVID wave of like mm. so much death around you. But I, I, re, I, you know, I felt that several times in this, this last, we're almost at a year in, in, in we're, we're a year and a, three months, right? So yeah, whew, long time. Yeah, really. Right? I mean, we were, you know, and, and just the fact that we had, you know, through the COVID and I know this is not a COVID conversation, so we won't yeah. get caught up in COVID and really talk about the grief that we're talking about. But, um, you know, I, I, it just almost became, you know, we almost became desensitized mm -hmm. to, you know, to the fact that we were waking up every day and, you know, 20,000 people died today, you know, know, or, or, you know, I mean, for it to, you know, get to five, that's half a million people. I know. You know, and, and, you know, putting it into context, like the scientists and the statisticians do it, you know, it's, you know, one in whatever, which makes it seem less, but, you know, that's 500,000 plus, probably closer to 600,000 families yeah. that, like you said, you know, and, and in the height of it, you know, they were, they were saying goodbye to their loved ones on FaceTime. If they had that opportunity. If they could, right? Yeah, yeah. So Some people were dying in the hospital with no FaceTime, no even, opportunity to say goodbye. You yeah. couldn't hold their hand. You couldn't let them go. Yeah. I mean, it just was, I mean, my heart just goes out for every single person who in suffered a In a regular condition, in a regular situation, you, you know, there's always, you know, when you, you know, even people have lived long lives, there's things that you want to say. You know, yeah. there's there's a kiss on the forehead. There's yeah. a, a hold of the hand, like you said earlier. There is there's you know there are things that you know that ease that grief, right? That ease that yeah. that may be kind of the 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 piece that you know you needed in order to for it to be okay. And you know, people didn't get a chance to do any of that. I know some people who I, I personally know who had to deal with a, a loss of a loved one, maybe not from COVID, but from whatever it, the ailment was. And they opted to have uh, the person instead of being in a, a normal hospice situation, uh, you know, be at home so that they could be with them, right? They could be with them during that time. So... It's, you know, people chose to do it differently just so that they could have those moments. Right. And and then before we move on there, you know, we, we you know, listing all the things um, and heavy in the black community to me is also, you know, we grieve when people go to jail. Yes. That's why I said right? loss of freedom. Said loss one. of freedom. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, we grieve. And, and, and that loss of freedom meant two things when you were explaining it before. Right. Loss of freedom. Of, of, you know, being without a mask, you know, false freedom of giving people hugs. I, I, I missed, you know, going to the grocery store and seeing, you know, the person smile. Yeah. You know, when's the last time you saw a smile in public? You know, I mean, so crazy. You know, there are so many things that we, you know, potentially um, are grieving upon. And, and, uh, but yeah, in our community, it's definitely, it's the, you know, it's, it's people going to prison, it's people, not coming home as people, you know, um, just, you know, all of it. So, um, you know, it's unfortunate that we have such an incredibly long list of I things know. that we can grieve about. And, you know, I never knew, um, kind of growing up, it was always just, 
you know, losing a loved one, you know, was really the grief. Yeah. Um, might've been some slight breakups or, you know, and then we talk, we're going to talk a little bit of some heartbreak and stuff like that, but, you know, but, but the real grief, like I was saying, was, was when somebody passed and and now our list is two pages long long (laughs) of things that we can grieve about. So, I mean, I know this is a really rhetorical question, but have you experienced grief from a significant death, right? Um, Some people, I think go a while in their life where no one really close to them dies, but maybe right. a extended family member dies and you, you go as a, you know, a way to show your respect. Right. But maybe yeah. it was your great aunt, you know, somebody that you didn't really spend that much time about, around, right. but have you experienced like uh, grief from a significant death of someone close to you? Man, when, when, uh, you know, when I read, you know, this, uh, the deck and kind of prepared my thoughts around this, um, it, it tripped me out because my list is longer than I'd like it to be. Right. Mm-hmm. I, um, you know, uh, you know, within the last, say, you know, five years or, you know, maybe a little bit longer than five years, lost a lot of people, um, mm-hmm. you know, from my grandmother to my uncle to, um, you know, my aunt, my cousin, like I, I've lost a lot of people and for different things, um, you know, suicide to um, illness, cancer to, um, you know, to to just just different things. And, and you know, most recently um, at the end of 2020, I lost my sister. Mm-hmm. And um, and so it, it's. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, the, the names are, the list is and, too long. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, obviously in a lifetime you lose a lot of people, but just yeah. thinking about kind of the compound, compound, how compounded it is um, in such a, you know, like a five-year period or that, you know, that amount yeah. of time, that many people, um, it really has, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's been, it's been, it's been a trip, man. It's been a trip to, to carry that into, into also the, kind of the um, collateral damage yeah. Yeah. of, of, or, you know, collateral that comes from, um, from those people losing those people. Yeah. So, you know, I experienced grief from death at a very young age. So yes. my father died when I was 11 or I was about to turn 12. We were right. super cr- close, very, very close. And, um, You know, I wouldn't wish that on any child to have to go through that situation or scenario because one, I don't think the maturity level of processing what actually is going on is is there. Mm -hmm. And and secondly, I think that um, for me, I tell this story and of of course, we're going to try to get through this whole podcast without getting super emotional. But um, when I was little... I used to pray uh, every night and my dad uh, was sick, uh, you know, for mm-hmm. some of the years he, he had, um, had heart attacks. He had suffered heart attacks and he had heart disease and he was, he was sick, you know, and so I was mm-hmm. aware of that as a young girl, mm-hmm. but I would pray every night that he would be okay. And the night that my father died, I had went to a slumber party. I had decided I was uh. going to go across the street to a slumber party in my neighborhood. And, um, I pray, I forgot to pray because I was having fun. Right. And that night he, you know, they called the ambulance and my mom was very aware of how close I was to my dad. So my mom waited 
until oh. the ambulance took my dad out of the house before she came across the street to get me mm. because she didn't want me to see mm-hmm. what was going on. And he wasn't dead at the time that they took him out of the house, but right. they definitely had to go through. We were through still trying to revive him. Yeah. Yeah. So she waited and we, I, I, and this is like, I remember this so clearly, Akil. We got to the hospital and I wanted to see him, right? Because mm-hmm. every, my brother got to see him. My mom had saw him, but yeah. I didn't get to see him. So I had asked the nurse if I could see him. And I remember like, if I could be in there right now mm-hmm. that she said, it's not a good idea. We had to massage his heart. His chest is open. Do not, we cannot let her go in there. Right. Wow. So I never, never to say got goodbye. to say goodbye. And yeah. I also blamed myself because I thought he died because I didn't pray. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Heavy burden, but you don't process it as a kid properly. You know what I mean? Right, right. And and so I think, you know, what I'm saying that to say is that I think it's really important for people not to avoid death in the way that I think. They didn't really avoid it like, you know, ignoring the fact that my father had passed. but. Mm There wasn't really a lot of open conversations for me to have those kind of processing conversations as a child that I probably yeah. needed so that I yeah. didn't feel so much guilt from uh, what had gone on. And obviously, I realized as I got older that praying wasn't going to make the difference. Mm-hmm. But when you're 11 years old, you, there's no there's no awareness to that. And yeah. so I think it's really important that we're sensitive to children as 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 death and grief, that process is happening because they're still going to experience it, but they're not going to really be able to process it in the same way that an adult can process death. So, so thinking about that, I think that's very interesting because, you know, we have kids and our kids were, uh, well, I have a 10 year old now and, you know, our older kids were 10 at one point. Um, I think, you know, thinking about what you just said, like, I wonder you know, if you were to talk to your your current self, if yeah. you were to give some guidance to your 12-year-old self or your 11-year-old self going through that, um, with the, in the context of what you just said about how, you know, we need to be sensitive to, you know, the younger, uh, our younger kids who are, 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 you know, youth who are grieving, um, yeah. what would you, what would you say to, you know, the young little Sia um, going to that and and maybe helping her to uh, yeah. to deal with that moment. Well, one, I I would definitely want to give her the the time and the and, and the space to express herself because I think that people were so busy dealing with the arrangements and dealing with mm. you know my mom also had a great loss that she was suffering right um, mm-hmm. her husband and I think people just kind of. Um, kind of just not ignored us. They definitely were comforting to us, but it kind of was a weird thing. So I would want to give her space to talk about it and give her, um, you know, help her with the words to kind of get Mm -hmm. out what she needed to get out. And the other thing I think I would do is really make it known that, you know, illness also, I don't think kids understand in the complete way, because I think a lot of times we think it's too complicated. So we don't talk to them about what it actually means, because we right. don't want them to think of the very negative of what the outcome could be. Sure. But I think that by not doing that, it wasn't preparing me for what 
you know, he had had three heart attacks before the fourth heart attack, which ended up um, Mm -hmm. taking him. But the thing is, is that had I known that heart attacks most likely could result in death, not that I wanted to scare, be scared that my dad was going to die every day. I might have been able to say the things that I wanted to say or process it because I think there's a big debate with death. And I've asked people who um, have dealt with parents um, who have died of cancer or something Mm -hmm. else. Like, do you think it's better to know, or do you think it's better for you, somebody to just die and then you have to deal with that? Right. Right. And I think that people debate whether or not, you know, knowing I feel like you could say what you need to say and you can feel at peace that you've gotten everything out. Yeah. But maybe not because perhaps knowing that they're going to die and having that heavy burden on your soul is yeah. more of a burden than it is as if it happens suddenly. What do you think? Yeah. Well, I, I, you know, I think that I think you're, you're, I mean, I think it's a situational thing. Yeah. I think you have, you know, I think it depends on kind of the maturity level of the child. I think it's the, you know, how, how, you know, observing them and knowing them, um, to the point where they, where you feel like, you know, they can handle certain things or may not be able to handle certain things, um, you know, as parents. And I, and I think your mom obviously made the best decision yeah, she possibly could have, right? No and, handbook, and, no handbook. And yeah, no, hand, there's no rule, you know, no, no rules yeah. to this. And so, um, you know, I think that that has a lot to do with it. And, you know, I, I, I made some judgments before I, I, I have a, I remember I have an experience where, um, Jordan was in, in Taekwondo and there was a little girl who had been ill for a while and that went to the same school. And so when she passed, um, they had, you know, everybody from the school came and the community obviously came, um, cause she was very well loved and, you know, everybody kind of knew her struggle. And so it wasn't a huge surprise, but it was still heartbreaking. Right. Of and course, so, a kid, um, yeah. So I took Jordan to the funeral and she was probably about eight, maybe, maybe a little younger. And, um, and I know that was a, it was kind of a big thing between me and me and my wife about whether or not I should take her. Um, one, because it was an open casket and two was because, you know, it was just, she just felt like she was too young to go to funerals. Yeah. And, um, but I was like, you know, I think she's okay, you know, and I, I'll be there and, you know, and, and, you know, in fact, I probably shouldn't have, um, it was actually harder on her than I thought it was going to be. And, you know, and, and she took it pretty, pretty heavy. And so, um, so in retrospect, I would have, you know, if I had the rule book that day, I probably wouldn't have not taken her. Um, so I think that, you know, I think it, it depends. But then later on, you know, when she was 10, 11 years old, you know, maybe that experience made made future experiences a little less traumatic. Right. Because yeah. she's, she's able to to kind of deal with it and deal with, um, you know, situations like that um, since then. Um with a lot of maturity and a lot of like insight and, you know, mm-hmm. and, and able to talk and, and really kind of express um, certain things. So, you know, I think that, you know, I, I just wonder, and that's why I was asking you that question, what would you say to your younger self? Because, you know, I think, you know, kids are dealing with a lot of stuff these days, Oh my goodness! you know, and, yeah. um, and, you know, um, a couple years ago um, when Jordan was in middle school, 
she was in eighth grade and there was a seventh grader that killed himself. Cowser. You know, from her school, you know, hung himself. And so these are, wow. these are like real things. And if you look yeah. at the suicide rate, you look at, you know, it's, 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 you know, from bullying and everything else that's going on. Grief is, you know, a real thing that, that, you know, is not an adult problem. It's a, no, you know, it's a, it's all ages, all races, all, you know, you know, it, it's interesting about the suicide thing. And then I'll, I'll talk about one issue that came up with, with my son, but, but the, the suicide thing is interesting because there has been studies that show that, um, in recent years, there's been what's called sympathy suicide. So when yeah. one person kills themselves, other people or other children in the same community in some cases will also kill themselves, which I find to be quite interesting mm. um, as to why you would sy- sympathize with that kid or sympathize with the attention maybe that the kid has received after the suicide and thinking that maybe you'll go ahead and do that. You know, I think there is a lot of mental health uh Issues And then we'll go through the five stages of grief. So it could be connected in some places with those five stages as to why, you know, children might feel that raw to to take that step. But Zion um, had a friend uh, who recently died of uh, an overdose. Wow. Uh, He was very close to him and Mm -hmm. um, it, it, it affected him profoundly. And the kid had gone and and partied with some other kids mm-hmm. and there was questions about uh whether or not the other kid was aware the one that was with him at the time that he was overdosing and whether or not he could have done anything about it because obviously you're not supposed to be doing those kind of drugs right uh obviously there could be repercussions from other you know from potential um police action and other things mm-hmm. and so um, it was really, really tough on uh, on and Zion and, and I think their community of kids because, you know, in your mind when someone dies that way, you always think, well, what could I? Maybe I could have saved them, or maybe I could do something different. Right. But to get back to that question about my younger self, the truth of the matter is, it's when it's their time to go, it's their their time to go, and that's right. You can't. You're not going to. I mean, you can do measures. I'm not saying like if somebody's choking, don't try to save them. But, but the truth of the matter is, is that you could put every effort to try to save somebody. And if it's their time to pass on, it doesn't matter what you do. That might be the case. And then in, in the opposite of that, in some cases, you know, if the person's still supposed to be here, even if they have a near death experience or almost mm-hmm. they, they've died for a couple of minutes, they may revive and come back. That's so right. that's how I believe. But mm-hmm. it, w- it was interesting um, to see. So um, y- you talked about a lot of death in the last five years. What are the ways that y- you saw it show up? For you, the grieving process, like how do you grieve? Did you become a little number as the deaths went on or did you have the same process every single time? That's a great question. Um, you know, I, I process things. Um, I, I'm generally the rock for everybody else. Mm-hmm. Right. So. Um, so my processing is is usually to try and make sure that everybody else is okay. Um, to be, you know, kind of the sounding board, to be the, the, um, you know, the shoulder to cry on, to be the, you know, the hug, to be the, you know, whatever those things are, um, that people need, um, reassurance, you know, whatever it is. Um, 
And so I find myself um, a lot of times in those situations, it'll hit me in stages. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, it definitely, you know, at the moment of the funerals, usually I am, you know, I I feel it, you know, and and tears flow. Um, But it's usually in my more private moments where, you know, I'm, I'm in my office or I'm in my home or I'm in my car, but I'm alone. Yeah. And it's pretty quiet. You know, it's a moment of silence or a moment of, 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 you know, reflection and, and it'll, you know, and it'll hit me and I'll, you know, sometimes it'll, it'll, it, it'll manifest in tears. Sometimes it'll, you know, manifest in a, in a, you know, me talking to God and, and, mm-hmm. you know, or, or, or talking to the person, you know, that that's gone, you know, um, you know, I talked about my sister a little bit. I, I've talked to her many times, you know, since she's been gone. And, um, and so, you know, a lot of it is, is that, and obviously, you know, that's more, um, kind of therapeutic for me, not expecting an answer or anything like that. So no, we're not talking about ghost stories or anything like that, but, but, uh, but I definitely, um, you know, I definitely have, I think that that's, um, a lot of, of how I deal with it. And, and I feel better usually when I'm making someone else feel better about yeah. the situation. So yeah. I don't know if I fully get a chance to deal with a lot of things. Um, and I, and I deal with it, I guess, in stages and in my own kind of pace. But, um, but I always feel better about a situation when I'm trying to make someone else's, uh, someone else feel better about it. I'm glad you just shared that because I think a lot of men don't ha- get a lot of space to to cry or grieve in in a way where I think really is, um, I mean, I won't say healthy, but because I don't want right. to put judgment on it, but but I do think that it's important for for those moments to come so that Absolutely. you can pass through the grief and kind of process the grief, but. Um, for me, I, I don't like to cry just in general. I I like to be a tough girl, but I do get to the point where, you know, something touches me, I will cry. And I definitely cry in the grieving process. Um, and I, I seem to be a little bit of a magnet for other people who are going through the grieving process Mm. as well. And I've never really been able to figure out what in my personality triggers that because I've had a lot of people, um, even at work settings, cry in my office where I, yeah. I totally don't expect it's coming. Like it just, I'm like, oh goodness, did I say something? But I don't yeah. know if there's some kind of presence that I have that that helps them feel like it's it's okay that I'm not going to judge them if they, they are to cry sure. or they are to feel that. But I think it's um, important for, and I think it's important that you said that you, when you're getting through that process, you're sometimes talking to the person, sometimes you're crying, sometimes you're doing those things. I think that's very normal. Like talking to the person, like I still to this day will ask my dad to watch over me when I'm doing something or I don't feel comfortable or I feel like there could be somebody behind me or something like that. I I've Mm -hmm. had that moment. I've also, you know, said, you know, let me know what the best thing to do is here and hoping Mm -hmm. that the, that my head will become clear enough to come up with that idea. Absolutely. Um, but one of the most interesting things that I did is I went to go see a psychic medium. Okay. Yeah. Um, to, yeah. to see if, yeah, because it, it seems I'm very logical. So it seems, yeah, like I, I know that's a little like out of your, out of your normal character, but let's do it. 
But I think because my my dad had died at such a young age, I really wanted to say some things that I never got to say, as I told you what the story was. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a very interesting experience. I, I do think that there's something to it. I have to be honest. Yes. Um, she knew uh, things about my dad that only... Oh, there was this. I she mean, back known, in when he yeah. died, there was there was no way to figure these things out. Right. She described his energy to a T. She knew about things between my mom and him, their relationship that I wow. remembered. Mm-hmm. Um, he wanted to get a message to my mom, which he gave to gave to me to give, which okay. was interesting. Um, he also, um, she also told me that. Um, that, that my son, when he was young, would do certain things with playing with his Hot Wheels, that Ooh. my dad was there with him, wow. which was really, uh, it actually brought a lot of, uh, peace to me, yes, my heart, yes. you know, because when your, your parent dies at a young age, they'll never see you get married. They're That's never going right. to see your children. And I think a lot of us, us really sit in that and yeah. sit in that part of the grief for a very, yeah. very long time, our whole Absolutely. lifetime. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And then for me, you know, I've accomplished a lot, but um, because my dad and I were so close, I always wanted to know, was he proud of the things that I chose to do? And um, she was able to tell me that he's seen you graduate from law school. He like she knew things that I just thought, wow, like this is interesting because you couldn't you you can't Google it. You wouldn't have been able to find it. So. So not that I'm promoting psychic mediums, but what I did find from that is it helped me in ways to um, let go of some Mm -hmm. of the sadness, the profound sadness that I carried, I think, with me my whole life about Mm -hmm. uh, not having my father present. Right. For big, big accomplishments. So it was interesting. No, I, I, you know what, and and you know, I'm, we are, you know, you've said this before, so I'm, I'm smiling while I say this. Um, you know, this is a no judgment podcast. <laughs> this is a no, you know, uh, you know, we're 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 very open and uh, and you know, pretty transparent here about our feelings, and and I just I think that you know, grief and the way we handle things is so individualized that whatever works, man, you know, I, I don't, you know, it's not for anybody out there to judge, you know, someone else, um, you know, taking measures that they feel, you know, and the fact that you got something out of that, that experience mm-hmm. and, and got some peace and, and, you know, I mean, I'm sitting here smiling, thinking about, yeah, I can see, you know, I can see your, you know, because I do believe, um, I'm very spiritual, you know, not very yeah. religious, um, but very spiritual. And, and I, you know, I do believe that we have, you know, that people are that we've lost our, our guardian angels and that, you know, and that, um, you know, because I've been in situations myself where I could not be here, you know, yeah. where there were, you know, where there was, you know, shootings or where there was, you know, I've been in situations where there, you know, where where you could have, you know, I could have had a, a, a horrible car crash. And yeah. I just swerve the right way, you know, yeah. or, and I always feel like, you know, there's, I'm protected, man. You know, some, mm-hmm. you know, somebody got in the way of that or somebody moved my wheel this way or someone made me look up, you know, in time or, you know, whatever. So, you know, the fact that, you know, to think about, 
um, your dad playing Hot Wheels with your son and, and, you know, and being, you know, I was at your graduation. So yeah. he was probably sitting behind me, you know, so, exactly. I mean, it's like, you know, things like that. So I think that that's hella dope. And I, and I think that, you know, people should definitely, you know, whatever it takes for you um, to be okay and to move forward and to grow um, from the grief. Uh, I think, you know, people should take it, um, you know, because the opposite is, is, bad right i mean yeah. you, you know you just talked about you know um how what did you call it sympathy suicides yeah um you know for for that and and you know you brought you 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 made me think of something and i know we're going to go through some some of the five um you know ways of dealing with grief and that kind of thing but you made me think about this i did a um I did some work with my brother and we were up at one of the reservations um and we were doing uh this special on uh, a documentary on res ball, which is uh, Native American or indigenous uh, on the plant, on, I mean, uh, plantation, uh, on yeah. the reservation. Um, well, they, they, yeah, you know. it, could be, it could be, yeah, <laughs> we know, we know. Um, but the, uh, you know, on the reservations while they, you know, their style of basketball playing and it was a, it was a really awesome experience um, being there. But one of the things that they were heavily going through uh, was suicide huge suicide yeah. rate on the, on the reservation. And, and in this particular one, they had um, an elder who everybody who was like, you know, for us would have been like kind of big mama, right. Would have been the, yeah. you know, the elder that, you know, took on, you know, she, I think she took on like 15 different kids from different families that, you know, couldn't take care of the kids. Like she was the, she was kind of like the, the, the rock or the, you know, the root, you know, the tree, um, of the, of the reservation and she killed herself. And what, what happened was after that, people started killing themselves. Yeah. Like, like in draw, like numbers out of this world. And it was from the grief and pain and, and hopelessness that came from that elder who was, like I said, the rock of the, you know, kind of the foundation of the, the cornerstone of the reservation. Um, and so, you know, there's, there's handling grief is, is, uh, is, is so important. And I, I know we're going to go on for that, but I didn't, I, I would have been remiss if I didn't uh, no, I give a shout was... out to that situation and, and, and recognize those, those folks that are going through, uh, you know, going through that. So let's, let's talk about the five stages. Cause I think it's important for us to, to get to them so that we can talk about maybe some of the ways that we've been able to cope, cope with them. So, right. um, so the first one is denial. Yep. So denial is a normal reaction to the rationalization or overwhelming emotions. It's a defense mechanism that buffers the immediate shock of the loss. So this happens both in, you know, what's interesting is this happens both in loss of, um, of, of people in your life, but it also happens in the, in the loss of things, material items and heartbreak as uh, well. Yes. People go through the same kind of stages when you're grieving the loss of something. Mm -hmm. And then this, the second one is anger. So as, uh, the numbing effects of the denial stage start to wear off, then the pain, uh, starts to firmly take hold as you search for blame, you feel intense guilt or you lash out and a lot of times, um, I think, I, I think this one's interesting because 
either when you're mad or angry at something and you want somebody else to be the reason why it happened, um, you're going to go ahead and, and kind of blame something for it. And then the guilt that you feel, you know, sometimes from like, maybe you played a role or maybe it could have been you or maybe whatever that is that, that comes, shows up and it comes out in maybe a form of anger Mm -hmm. and then lashing out. I mean, we typically see people sometimes lose it on other people when they're going through grief and then bargaining. Bargaining is a very interesting situation because I do think that you can recognize this in people who have recently lost something because then they go through the what if scenarios uh, and they they it serves an important purpose, though, to going through mm. that what if process because it provides a temporary escape from the pain and it pro- provides hope and gives the person time to adjust to the reality of the situation. So like kind of thinking about it in a different way. Mm -hmm. And then stage four, which is pretty much the worst stage, I think is depression. Uh, This type of depression is not a sign of mental illness. So it's not the kind you see that people who are depressed in general, it's a temporary um, response to that great loss. Um, So it's appropriate for the loss and you should allow people to feel and get to that depression stage, but not stay in there. Mm-hmm. Um, it might it might show up as an ex- intense sadness. Maybe you're not sleeping very well. You don't eat, um, mm-hmm. and you have a loss of motiva- motivation. So those are very com- common in that type of depression. And then acceptance. So this is the final stage, stage five. So acceptance is. Uh, refers to when you accept the reality of the loss and the fact that nothing can change that reality. Uh, This does not mean that the person is okay with the loss. It just means that um, is that they accept the fact that the person is gone. Right. Yeah. Um, So it's, that's interesting. I mean, and, and, you know, for someone to be able to kind of wrap that into five stages, because I, I would have, you know, before you said, that they were five, I would have been like, man, there's got to be like 20 stages of grief, right? Because, you know, we go through, but, but I'm imagining, um, in reading, you know, what you provided and what you shared with us, the fact that, you know, you know, there are five, but they can last Oh my goodness. at different, Forever. you know, different things. I mean, you know, you, you talked about, you know, lifelong, you know, parts of it being lifelong, you know? Um, uh, and so, it's it's you know that five stages could be a 20 year experience and i think and, uh, you know i think that like say if you had your favorite uncle that passed i think you told yeah. me that 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 happened right yeah so the thing is is that when something that reminds you of that uncle happens or there's a movie or some kind of saying you used to say Absolutely. or something that comes up um I think the remnants of that last with you for a, a lifetime. Mm-hmm. And so you're still in baby grieving, right? But maybe you're not in the thick of it anymore because you've accepted the fact that that person's there. Right. I also think that one of the things that really adds to this grieving type of situation is when somebody doesn't get to say what they need to say yeah, to the person. Absolutely. So, so I think it's so important when you have the opportunity. And I know we say this a lot. And I think COVID taught us this in a very short order because people were healthy and then in 14 days they were That's right. gone, right? Yeah. yeah. So if, if you have something to say to somebody, don't be scared to let yeah. them know because yes, maybe they will reject what you're saying. Maybe they won't be excited about 
what you have to say to them, but at least you get it out. And to me, that's better than keeping it in Yeah, because because they should know it. And maybe their actions at that moment might, might not be what you want, but I'm sure that people, whether they love you back or whether they, you know, whatever you're expecting from them, because it's about the expectation that you didn't right. get when you're, you know, you're afraid to say something. But I think saying it and letting them have that inside, you know, f- and, and letting whatever happened to them happen, then it's yeah. a much better peaceful feeling than not saying it at all. Yeah, no. And I, and I, you know, um, just recently, I know my, my uh, cousin, uh, another one of my cousins, his, um, uh, you know, his, his, I don't call her stepmom because she was, you know, very much there um, in his life growing up. Um, she's she's not doing well. And I just remember, you know, this past week uh, or last week just telling him, man, you got to go. You know, you got to go. Um, I do have a little bit of regret. I didn't the uncle, you know, my uncle Sean that I didn't um, didn't get to say goodbye to um, told me I talked to him. You know, not too many days, maybe a week before. And yeah. we were planning, my brother and I were planning on going out to see him before, yeah. you know, before he passed. And he was like, oh, you know, that's not a good week. You know, come, you know, whatever the next week or two weeks from that, you know. And so we were like, okay, cool. And then we missed our opportunity. And so, um, so I would just say, you know, for anybody, if, if there's a, if there's a chance, you know, even if there's a lot of time, you know, you think there's a lot of time left. Um, if there's a chance, go and, you know, go and see that person or go and make that phone call or get on that, you know, FaceTime or whatever, the virtually or in person or however it is. Um, like Sia is saying, I think giving yourself the opportunity to say something, even if it's not everything you wanted to say, but just to make that connection um, prior to prior to people um you know, leaving you is important. Um, so, so we've talked about heavily, obviously, on the the part of grief that has to do with uh, with death, and uh, yeah. and I think that that's there's a good reason for that, and I think that that's important. But let's talk a little bit about the other grief. Um, some okay, other grief. I, I, you know, um, and, you know, and and that way we can maybe. Um, Lighten it up a little, a little bit, bit. A little bit of a lighter note, although grief is I mean, grief. It's still and sad. Yeah, you still got to go through sad. the five stages and you still yeah. got to, you know, you still got to do these things. Um, but I, I'll read. So studies show that your brain registers the emotional pain of heartbreak in the same way as physical pain. Right. What? Um, which is that they you might feel that your heartbreak is causing physical hurt. Then when your heart happens um, these hormones and these levels of hormones drop or raise or however it works in your in your chemistry. Um, it really feels, you know, you feel physical pain. So like when, you know, we all have, you know, either heard of or experienced ourselves when, you know, our feelings were hurt or, um, you know, somebody that we, you know, thought we loved or that we thought we were in a relationship with. Um, you know, maybe it wasn't what we thought it was and we felt that kind of heartbreak. We've also had, you know, I mean, family members break each other heart, you know, we have I mean, so friends, so friends, friends break your yeah, heart. Yeah, friends break your heart. It's just anybody who, you know, you have put um that kind of trust into with your feelings. Um but the crazy thing is, you know, is what you were telling me before and that and that 
um, you know, is physical pain. And so that's why we know, you know, what do people do when they have heartbreak? You know, they either go into depression, they go through some of the five stages of of grief. Right. Um, And and how that applies to to heartbreak is really interesting to me because totally what do we do? We deny it. At first, right? For the, nah, this shit ain't happening. Yeah, I'm going to call her back. I'm going to call <laughs> her back. This ain't happening. It can't happen to me. You know, what, yeah. what's going on? You know, do they not know this who I am? This is not the end. Yeah. Do you know who I am? You know, this is yeah. not, you know, this is, denial is hella heavy. And then, you know, and then you be mad as hell because the anger, then the anger pop in and you be like, you know, and that's when you got like Jasmine Sullivan um, breaking windows out your car. And, Alanis and, Morissette. You know what yeah. I'm Yeah. Yeah. All of that. And then, you know, then you bargain like, oh, should I give him another chance? Is it, is it yeah. really over? Maybe it's not really over. You know, I know I done destroyed everything. You did the you did the waiting to exhale and burnt all his clothes up in the front yard. <laughs> but maybe we still might be able to, to work it out. Maybe he'll take me back. Maybe she'll take me back. Maybe, you know, we can work it out. And then, then you know, then depression is like, oh. Yeah. You know, and then acceptance and then you move on and you, you start working out at the gym and then you lose 20, 30 pounds and get fine again. And then you like, you know, you, you put the ice cream, ice cream down and yeah, and then yeah. you, then you're on Bay alert again. But, uh, but I thought it was really interesting. you said earlier though, that offline that you were telling me that, you know, some people can literally like take Tylenol <laughs> when yeah. they're having heartbreak and it almost has like the same effect as like. If you had a headache or like real, you yes. know, some kind of physical pain. So that. So, so I was listening to a podcast, actually a part of a podcast and she was kind of saying the same thing. And so I went to research it to figure out if that was true. Cause I was right. like, that cannot be right. right. But like you said, um, that hormone, that hormone level drop is the same stress hormone like cortisol mm-hmm. in your body, which when you experience stress in life from work or whatever, mm-hmm. it's you that's what gets released into your body so because you're under a lot of stress from the loss you're yeah. that's being released in your body and the other thing that's really interesting in that article that i read and it was a medical article so it wasn't even like yeah. you know yeah. some kind of um okie doke um when you're in love you release um dopamine and oxytocin yes and so you're releasing these very like um feel good type of butterflies uh, Yes. And and so you want more of that. You want to repeat that behavior. Mm -hmm. So the loss of that, right. You're, you're having all of these, you know, hormones being released in your body in a Mm -hmm. positive way. Mm -hmm. And then in the opposite, you're having all of these stress hormones being released. So it makes sense that your body is going to sometimes feel physical pain as you're going through a heartbreak. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting because I went through, I was in a relationship for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I went through a, an extreme amount of heartbreak and mm-hmm. I, um, had dated people before and I had broken up with people before and I right. never experienced what that was. Yeah. And it was crippling to the point where I didn't even want to get out of the bed. I was very, um, I just, I mean, I was surprised I got up and, and went into work and, you know, I, I was telling a friend of mine the other day that, um, my routine was I would get myself out of bed. I would take the shower. I would get ready for work. I would go to work. Mm-hmm. I'd get myself, I might cry in the car. Mm-hmm. I would get all the way to work 
And I usually have jobs where it's very demanding. There's of lots course. of employees. Yeah. Like I've got to be on. I can't be like a hot right. doggy mess. Right? right. Right. And I would get there early. I would close the door. And I'm still a mom, right? So I'm yeah. still making time, yep. feeding him breakfast, doing yep. all that. I would close the door and I would cry wow. in my office for like the first 15, 20, 30 minutes. And then shake I would that. shake it off. Yeah. I wouldn't wear any makeup to work. And then I'd put my makeup on. Right. And then I would open the door and I would Handle act your business. like. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Until I had to come back and do it. But it was very, you know, all of those five stages I, I, I know I experienced. I ended up going to therapy, as I've said before. Right. I really right. love therapy. I think it, it really helped me to see that. Um, that eventually there was going to be light at the end of the Absolutely. tunnel. Yeah. But I also have had a lot of friends who have gotten divorced. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it's it, that situation is a very interesting situation because I feel like um, you can see the grief in those yeah. five stages with people, yeah. and then also for them to get from the coupled situation to the uncoupling is very. Um, it definitely, you can see them really struggle with it because yeah. they go from being together with somebody all the time and potentially with their whole family mm-hmm. to being by themselves. So, you know, uh, there's some suggestions that, you know, I, I looked up. So it says, you know, if you're recovering from a divorce, you should acknowledge that it's actually a real loss. Right. And some people around you sometimes will be like, oh, well, get rid of her, or get rid of him. Mm-hmm. He wasn't good for you anyway. But it's still a real loss because even though you might have shared the negative things about the relationship with people, there were a lot of positive things in the relationship or you wouldn't have been with that person. Especially long term, you know, marriages, you know, I don't care how, how it's been. If you get divorced after 20 years or you get divorced after 10 years, you know, um, you know, and depending on how intense it could be five years, you know, you know, there's no real number but you know like you said spending that amount of time with someone every day you know building you know yeah you know sometimes like in my situation you know um moving state to state you know and and i mean just sleeping in the bed just everything yeah like the whole the whole you know having kids and and you know building family and building you know just building you know i mean Partnering. Even if it's even if it's rough, uh, you know, for that to be over has got to be, you know, a huge loss. It's got to feel, you know, you got to feel something. There, there's no way that you're not going to, you know. So I think that I think you're number one there as far as acknowledging that it's a real loss, um, you know, has to happen, even if it's a even if the circumstances are bad. Yeah, and and a lot of people in COVID, it really broke them, right? Yeah, in the relationship because it was you were under an extreme amount of stress, mm-hmm. and then on top of it, you were not able to go anywhere. So if your home was small, or you guys were, you know, not getting enough space from each other, and and you already had kind of some stressful situations, it yeah. could have just taken you over the edge. But um, the second one is understand that the pain is normal. Mm-hmm. So we just talked about how it manifests in physical pain, right? Yep. You're actually going through pain. So understand that that's normal. Um, some people like to self-medicate. We talked about earlier. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't think it's, I, when I was going through my breakup, I don't even drink and I would drink wine sometimes just to go to sleep Yeah. because I didn't want my brain to keep racing and overthink because 
I know, I know for people I'm speaking the truth that what happens is that you lay in the bed. Okay. <laughs> and then you start to go over the scenario of oh how you gosh. broke up like 10,000 million times about what, you, or even the relationship, like, well, should I have seen that? Or like mm-hmm. when that conversation, when I said that, did he really mean this? You know, mm-hmm. like all of that kind of stuff in your brain. Oh, will yeah. just do it. That number three, that number three, that, uh, that bargaining on the five oh on the five stages of grief with yourself yeah that bargaining is a, is a beast boy <laughs> right so overthinking right that that's just the mess and then three it says understand that things will get better i think that this is really the key because yeah. when you're in heartbreak and when you're feeling the pain feels like the end of the world and it feels like it's going to go on forever right? right and you're like please just save me from this right yeah. and you have to understand in every day, just get up because I think your worst enemy is time and your mm-hmm. best friend is time. Yeah. Because once you get past that time, you're going to, you're going to get to a better place. You, use your pain as a motivator. This one's a good suggestion because I really feel like people, um, you know, can create and do a lot of things uh, if they're motivated to do it through the pain. I think that some of I was I was sharing with a friend the other day that some of the best songs from uh you know writers come out oh, of heartbreak, yeah. right? Heck yeah. Hello. Taylor El- Swift's Adele? whole career is oh. is is a, it's is, like oh to her yeah. Texas. Yeah, man. And she, you know, she's like diamond triple thousand right diamond. So yeah, no, right. you're right. And then I, I think I think um I think Six and six and seven are really important too on your list, and that is. Uh, well, do you gotta you... get allow allow your time. Oh, to heal. did we not? Okay, I'm sorry, yeah, I missed five. that. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Allow yourself time to heal. So give Absolutely. yourself the time to heal. Do not, you know, try to rush in the healing process. I think some people, if you miss this step, mm-hmm. it you it'll manifest later. Yeah. So you've got to just deal with that, whatever that pain is. And I know some people would like to just. You know, I've heard this saying, which I, I don't really subscribe to, but the best way to get over someone is to get yeah, under someone, someone else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that, uh-huh. I don't agree with that either. Yeah. So, I mean, allow yourself the time to heal. Really, you know, pay attention to what you're going through and go through it. And then you go ahead and finish it out because you had some good ones on the uh, on the end. Yeah. So I was, I was, you know, do your grieving now, I thought was a, a, an important thing as opposed to, um, you know, allowing it to kind of just permeate and, and stick with you forever. You know, I think that, um, you know, I think that that allowing your time, yourself time and doing your grieving now kind of go together because, you know, if you give yourself the time, but you kind of put a, I think that there's, it's important to kind of put some structure or some kind of, you know, um, barriers around it to where you're like, okay, you know what, I'm going to deal with this and I'm going to, to work through this and I'm going to, I'm going to grieve about it now so that I can, you know, like you were saying earlier, so it doesn't last forever. And so that I can understand that it's, you know, it's going to get better in those things. Um, the number seven was learn to forgive, uh, which I think oh, is a so huge, important. huge thing, because I think that that by itself will or won't allow you to move on. Right. Yes. So if yes. you get stuck in, if you get stuck at seven and and you aren't able to kind of transform or 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 enable yourself to forgive, you know, that person and yourself for going through, you know, whatever got you to that point, I think is uh 
is huge. Um, number eight was find a support system, which you've you've mentioned therapy. We've talked about friends. We've talked about family. We talked. Shoot, sometimes it may just it may be an internet group. Sometimes it may be a uh, a, um, a psychic uh, medium. Yeah, it medium, might be, whatever. You know, whatever your support system is, get that support system. And then the number nine, which is one that I believe in um, wholeheartedly with actually every part of life, and that is go at it one day at a time, right? Um, yeah. You know, take it in bites and pieces and, you know, and and take it one day at a time. Now, the only thing that I would say about this list, which I think is a very thorough, very great list, um, is that maybe you may put it in a different order, right? The sequence may be a little bit oh, different. Yeah. You know, I, I'm thinking maybe finance support system may go earlier than number <laughs> than number eight because yeah. for me, by the time I get to number eight, shit, I don't need the support system no more. Yeah. You know, so yeah. so yeah. you know, so I think that there's you know there's you have some freedom obviously to move some of these around, but I think all of them are equally as important and uh, and and they help you get through um, you know divorce, help you get through heartbreak, help you get through. Uh, separation anxiety help you get through all you know any of these things that um, that as humans uh, we go through and and it's really okay um, to be human. Yeah, the only other things I want to you know add in from my own my own toolbox of how I've healed from there you go. from heartbreak was um, exercise regularly because mm-hmm. you also release. Uh, endorphins That's when you're right. as after you finish exercising and it gives you kind of a, a better feeling. You just have a better feeling for that day. I mean, even if you're on a low frequency, it helps you get through it and kind of push through it. Plus, I like to personally, I like to cycle, but I also like to box. Yes. And I'm just going to say, yes. boxing a bag when you're mad or hurt or whatever oh. is the best feeling ever. Just yeah. punching it out and imagining you know, whatever you need to imagine. Wrap your, I hands, even... wrap your hands and your wrist, though, because depending on how <laughs> mad you are, <laughs> you, yeah. you're going to need some Tylenol or something afterwards because your hands yeah. and your wrists are going to be in pain if you hit it with all your might. <laughs> right. But I, I, I mean, it feels good to me, even if I've had like a very stressful day oh, after yeah. I do something like that, I feel a lot better. And then the other thing that I did in my breakup is I meditated, right? Mm. So every morning I, you know, Deepak Chopra and Oprah have a good series where they have a 21 day meditation. They have all different subjects. And mm. I would um, pick the meditation, you know, series that I wanted. And it was only, it only, it wasn't very long. So, you know, I'm not a very quiet mind type of person, you know what I mean? But it was really good because it had very positive healing messages. And then you had some time to quiet your mind and kind of be peaceful without clearing your mind, without thinking of that overthinking bargaining right. situation that yep. you were doing. No doubt. And it kind of helped you feel and start your day. So I highly recommend that as well. And then to the point that you had about um, forgive, learn to forgive. Yeah. My favorite quote from Buddha is holding on to anger is like drinking poison. Wow. And expecting the other person to die. Yeah. So, you know, that's basically saying that really, if you don't forgive the person, you're, you're poisoning Poisoning yourself. yourself. Yep. Without a doubt. You've got to let it go. If the person didn't want to be with you or it's a gift that you can't even see because maybe there's something better waiting for you. One, maybe that person, 
you know, wasn't telling you or wasn't sharing with you all of the the things that they weren't feeling. And there, were, there could and have been dangers wants- around the corner that you didn't you didn't know about. Yes. Yeah. And and maybe you. One thing I think that people have to really recognize is even in death or heartbreak, mm-hmm. some people are only meant to be in your life That's for right. a moment. That's right. For yeah. a lesson, for a blessing, for a to make a child, whatever right. the reason is. Yep. That is that is who they were supposed to be. Yeah. And the lesson once it's learned. Yeah. Maybe you have to learn something else. And so that person is not the person who's going to teach you that. And so they no longer need to be there. They might have to move on because they have other things to grow and learn from. And you might not be able to provide that either. So, I mean, that's the way you have to, I think, think of it and letting people go back into the universe Mm -hmm. to to whatever is meant to be and not try to hold on too tight to what's not meant for you. And and it's, you know, it's manifestation, right? So, I mean, some... Like you said, I, I and I think that that point, you know, especially as we wrap up today, um, today's session, I think is 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 key. Is that um, you know there are seasons and there are chapters, and however we like to you know kind of compartmentalize um, you know pieces of our lives and relationships in our lives throughout our lives. Um, I think it's important to to look at that, and I think you know as I keep looking at this list. Um, stages of grief, um, you know, those stages are really not just stages of grief. They're kind of stages of life, right? Yeah. And, and they're, and they really, you know, um, they resonate with whatever you're really going through. If you're having, you know, tough time at work, you could be dealing with denial, anger, bargaining, depression, <laughs> <laughs> and acceptance, right? It, it you know, uh, we talked about it heavily with, with, you know, experiencing death. We talk about it heavily with experiencing Heartbreak, bankruptcy, but, uh, you know, yeah, finances, uh, yeah. you know, um, even even I mean, you know, shit, I'm looking at this and like, OK, as a parent, yeah. <laughs> as a parent, damn, I've been in denial, angry, <laughs> been bargaining my ass off, <laughs> you know, depressed a little bit because, you know, something is going on and then had to accept that shit and keep it moving. Right. So, I mean. <laughs> Like this, yeah. you know, I don't know if this is, you know, they, they, you can, you can rotate that last word, you know, when you said the five stages of to yeah. probably every aspect of life um, possible. But I think that, you know, one of the main points that we have um, tried to impart upon our friends here is that um, you got to go through it and, yeah, right. and, you know, you're better for it. If you, if you experience it, you're better for it. If you allow yourself to be human. Um, you know, you made the point earlier about men. Hey, we, we, we have to feel, you know, one of the things I tell my mom all the time, uh, is that, you know, I'm so thankful for her to, um, I'm so thankful for her to make me human. Yeah. Right. To, to make me feel and compassionate and, and, you know, many of those, kind of things. You know, I'm thankful to my dad for making me a man, you know, for helping me to become a man and, and, and to be solid and to be protector and to do all the things that, you know, I kind of, we have been socialized to think of what a man is supposed to do. And so I appreciate him for that. But my mom, you know, definitely uh, helped me become human and, and, you know, kind of the balance of that is why I think I'm a good dad and why I think I'm a good friend, why I think I'm a good, you know, 
professional and these other things. And so, um, you know, don't hold that stuff in, uh, fellas, and make sure that you have at least somebody, if it's a homeboy, if it's your parent, if it's your friend, uh, your significant, whoever it is, um, that you create some kind of circle um, or a person that you can, you know, kind of unload those things and feel what you need to feel because keeping it inside is, is, uh, you know, it's, it can be bad. Yeah. And, and on, on my closing note, I just wanted to say that one thing is every soul that enters into your life is, is a blessing, right? right. For however long you, you get it, even if, even if it's a baby that you, had in your belly that never made it to right. to the earth, right? That's right? There was still a blessing in that in that situation, and I think that um, when you are going through either loss or grief from heartbreak, you have to be kind to yourself. Mm. Take the lessons from the situation that actually apply, and everything else with the anger and all the bargaining and the other thing that the other person is also bringing to the situation. You leave that where it needs to be left. And that's might be on the floor, on the ground, somewhere else. But take the lessons that you could have done to uh, improve yourself. And I think when I went through my breakup, um, I was in therapy for three years after Mm -hmm. the breakup. Two of the years, I think, really focused on the breakup. But one of the years, I think I just continued to go because I felt good about it. But the one thing I learned about it is at the end of the therapy when I when I knew I was ready to not go anymore mm-hmm. is that everything that the person had said that I had done wrong in the relationship my therapist helped me f- to fix it ah. right because she knew that I t- I kind of ticked on getting things right right For sure. and so she worked with me I fixed all the complaints and in the end the relationship still didn't work mm-hmm. and she said to me one day she said, you see, it wasn't it was ever really you. about you. Yeah, it wasn't for you. But you're better for the next man mm-hmm. because you fixed all of the things that this particular man wasn't happy with. Right. And so it just made you better. But you, it wasn't about that. It was about, it wasn't going to work no matter how perfect That's right. it became. That's right? right. And so that was a really great lesson. And at that time, I could be peaceful with it because- yeah. I, I felt the heartbreak. I felt the loss. I went through it. Mm-hmm. I tried to fix the situation. Mm-hmm. But in the end, I had to be kind to myself and realize that That's I was worthy anyway. Yeah. And and you were better for it, even just for you, not for anybody else. And all uh, the lessons and, and all the blessings. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And so on that note. Yeah. We got to be out. Sia and Akil got super deep for y'all today. But uh, thank you. Thank you for listening. And uh, we look forward to talking to you again on the Cogent Code podcast. Peace. Peace. What you going to do? What you going to do? What you going to do?